0: Hello, Jews and curious, bystanding non-Jews. This is Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, joined, as ever, by our senior writer, Leah Leibowitz. USA! USA! <laughs> and Tablet Deputy Editor Stephanie Butnick. Hi. Wait, now, it's not going to become Stephanie Butnick Cohen, is it, when the ball drops, or is I it?
1: I don't think- Think so.
0: So the, are the kids gonna be buttnicks?
1: No. Like I'll we'll be Coens, but I'll be I'll be buttnik for life.
0: But, Butnick for life. That's a tattoo you all have, don't you?
2: <laughs> Butnick for it.
1: life. Yeah, for Butnick life. life.
0: <laughs> our Jewish guest this week is Buzzfeed politics writer Rosie Gray. And our Gentile of the Week is writer, director, and storyteller Adam Lynn. So guys, before we get to the news of the Jews or anything, I just I have a dilemma to pose to you, a moral, a quandary, as it were. Well, Hit away. us up. So this week, I um, I decided one night uh, I was taking myself to the movies, as I do about <laughs> okay, once a week. Okay, what
1: were you seeing first of all?
0: So we're getting okay. No, 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 this is all all will become clear in the fullness of time. So obviously, I had to see Jason Bourne. Your cinematic alter ego the, yep, the exactly. man who captures has-
2: your essence almost to a T <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: well you know he is kind of my my spirit animal Matt Damon being that we're about the same age both from Massachusetts both supremely muscular similar career trajectories same, exactly same line of work same <laughs> same you know. line of work same line of same yeah so I I want to see Jason Bourne but then I also realized that bad moms with Mila Kunis and the great Catherine Hahn was oh opening. I'm dying
2: to see that Me so too.
0: so well guess who did your co-host, Mark Oppenheimer. So you do a so double hitter? Yeah. So I went, to all, I went to to Yahoo Movies and I pulled up the Showtimes and I looked at all of the area cineplexes and I, I found the one where I could do Jason Bourne and then segue myself right into Bad Moms all for one ticket price. Somewhere, by so, the way,
2: Marissa Mayer is sitting like, we found a user. <laughs> Someone <laughs> uses Yahoo
0: Movies. I use Yahoo Send Movies. Send that right. man a gift basket. Know? So anyway- I go off, I see Jason Bourne, it's it's solid, it's like a solid two and a half stars, it's not quite three, but you know, it's, uh, by the way, I use four stars for movies, I've become aware that in this age of Amazon, some people think that all rating systems are five stars, but movies are zero to four, and then I, between Jason Bourne and Bad Moms, I have just enough time for a popcorn and soda, I get it, go into Bad Moms, see it, also a very good movie, um, get home. I'm excited. I've pulled off a double header. It's, it's, it's like 11:15. I'm already home having seen two movies for the night. And I tweet something out about like, just saw Jason Bourne and then you know took myself to Bad Moms in the next theater over. And I get an offline like Twitter message, direct message, right? From one of our unorthodox listeners. She is a rabbi, a woman rabbi, a fairly prominent woman rabbi who said to me in this message, do you mean to tell me you sneaked into a movie without paying? And I wrote back and said, well, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, duh. That is that is what I was bragging about. And she wrote back and just said, I'm really disappointed. And so I took, the, I had my poker game the next night or two nights later. And I, I brought this to the gentleman. I brought this to the gentleman of the poker game. And I said, am I am I like a bad person? Is that like cheating on your taxes? And they all just laughed. They said, that is insane. Like it is in the constitution that if you want to hang out for another movie in the Cineplex, your $12 ticket kind of entitles you, which is the way I felt. I felt like this is, this is, Not as bad as going 65 in a 55. This is like less than a misdemeanor. It's everyone does it. Am I wrong? You know what? I'm going to go with yes. You are wrong. Oh. Yeah.
2: The The
1: problem is it's like. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. You know, look, dude, it's a dying art form. It's fighting for its (laughs) fucking life, you know.
0: You mean going sneaking into double features? No, no, no. no, The
2: theater is really like the only thing that stands between us and a never-ending, constant on-demand stream of like the (laughs) seventeen thousand Marvel installment (laughs) is the fucking idea that you still go to the movies, that you do this thing together, that you sit in the dark. It is a religious experience. You you honor that, right? And 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 you pay that. And I know they charge ridiculous prices, and I know that they should give you better conditions and better offers, whatever, but like you, you, you respect the, the sanctity of the of the movie house, no? The, the
1: problem is You're not with me but I, I, I am with you, but I want it I want it to be because, you know, like there are people who work there and who they have to, you know, soup up your popcorn. But what I don't believe they're get getting paid, paid right. by how many movies you go <laughs> to. So, no, they don't. so I think there is sort of It'd like a Tom Moodic did.
0: loophole. It um, should also be said that between my $12 ticket, I then spent $11 on, on refreshment. So for $23, I, I don't know. I just feel like- It's basically another movie fee that you wouldn't have paid because you probably <laughs> wouldn't have gotten popcorn after the movie. Thank you. Thank you. That's the answer I should have reached for. Anyway, I would love to get listener mail on this. I just feel like double features, sneaking into the second movie. If you love the movies that yeah, much- Yeah, we should just, her, should just let you stay there. It should just let you stay there. All right. A little news of the Jews. A little news of Jews who aren't us. Uh, retired NBA star Amari Stoudemire, who who famously considers himself culturally Jewish, is apparently going to play for Hapoel Yerushalayim. Uh, are they good, Liel? Uh, they're okay, and they'll be better. They're okay.
1: I want to correct you because he doesn't consider himself cul- – he considers himself Jewish. He says his mother has Hebrew,
2: really? Israelite right. roots – but like Mark is family. racist against reform people, so yeah. he doesn't. That <laughs> well, both doesn't of count. We, are.
0: <laughs> we will get to that. But so
1: we might not consider him halachically Jewish, but he considers himself Jewish, and he like has been to Israel more than we have recently.
0: He he's been to Israel more than Leiala. More has. than he's I. He's a have. better Jew than
1: all of us. He like had a meeting with Shimon Peres. Yeah. Like he's he's in. He's got my
0: vote. What party would he? What obscure party? Oh, he's he Shas. He's Shas all the way. Him and Arya Dari are like the strong Haredi. <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, the Forward reports this week on a new group called Jews Choose Trump. The founder, Carol Greenwald, told the paper, "The group began basically because I was very offended by the silencing of anyone who supported Trump. It became socially unacceptable to say you were supporting Trump." Well, Carol.
1: <laughs> so, is she actually supporting Trump, or is she just she like want save safe? Or she's a free?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is she a free speech Maven? No. It it seems she's actually a Trump supporter, and it's sad. That people don't support her and that she loses party invitations it's
2: for that. Because she has a winning disposition, the best disposition <laughs> ever.
0: In, Tremendous. Far Rockaway, in Far Rockaway, Queens, Orthodox Jew Yehuda Koryat came up with a very interesting way to propose to his lady friend, Sora Oppen. He got three uniformed cops to pull them over along the side of the road and pretend that they were going to do some sort of search. They got her to pop the trunk, at which point, inside the trunk were a bunch of balloons, and Yehuda popped the question to Sora. <laughs> um, they told the website onlysimchas.com, which, by the way, is a great website. You should all, it really is. Like, it's it's good when you're done, you know, on on Zappos late at night, and you're done with Zillow, and you're done with whatever X rated things you do, go to onlysimchas.com. I asked by the what way, the your X rated things, this is like peak Oppenheimer. Mark's X rated things are Zappos
2: <laughs> late and night, Zillow. Late night, Merrill shopping I will get shoes and then I will look Do at know what they? Estate. well you know
0: what you know what Sid's are hers are uh, her only one and it is a big one is Pet Finder which is why we have two dogs and a cat uh, exactly that is her late night you guys form. kinky it is kinky <laughs> Uh, they told com that they have yet to set a date for the wedding. So this raises the question, Stephanie Butnick, if Ben oh. Cohen had proposed to you by having cops pull you over and uh, terrify you first. Take you to Rikers that- for like 24 <laughs> to 48 hours, you know, rough you up a little bit.
1: I mean, I think this is one of those stories that is so clueless to in the rest car. of the world. Like if anyone was like hey oh let me get God. the cops to fake pull us over like have you like watched the news it's like why would you it's like so so what's <laughs> such a weird time to yeah, be Yeah that offer
2: does not apply to like our black listeners right I was <laughs> going to say that is the whitest that.
3: stunt it's like, ever yeah, black it's like, people Ooh, do not ask us. cops to
2: <laughs> which by the way the roll call this morning and that morning in the precinct was so amazing. It's like uh Stevenson Smith you're in drug duty <laughs> Uh, you, you, and you—you you go to Yuda and Sora's fake proposal bus. I think if I were in a different rock community,
1: away. I would be very upset. Or in certain communities, <laughs> yeah. about this, I would just be like so mad. I'm mad too.
0: They got to check their orthodox privilege that they think it's fun to be pulled over by cops. That's amazing. Um, but you know who else is in trouble with the law? The sperminator, Ari Nagel, famous no, orthodox. No, not him. For, for handing off sperm in the Target bathroom <laughs> to women who want to be inseminated, some of whom, according to him, call him later for real sex because they're tired of their lesbian partners. Yes. Um, go listen. This is about this episode. According, six episodes according ago. to him. According to him. Um, I know that a couple of our listeners have written saying enough of Ari Nagel, but we got to give you one more. According to the New York Post, which you know as the uh, purveyor of nudie pics of aspiring first lady Melania Trump, last month, New York State sent Nagel a letter saying, quote, persons or entities that perform tissue banking activities require a license, end quote. And they gave him until June 27th to respond. Nagel has told the Post that he will not register and he will keep doing his thing. Nothing can shut down the Sperminator. Nothing can stop the fountain of sperm. <laughs> can I just say,
2: New York State just made it a thousand times creepier than it was. Yeah. Like, sir, are, are you masturbating in that bathroom? Don't worry, officer. I have a tissue bank license. Here it is.
1: <laughs> like, are you kidding me? He's like, give me a second. I'll, or, I'll yeah. show it to you. Hold
2: on. <laughs> Here. Slide it under the stall. <laughs> New York
0: City has some of the, just the stuff they're called on to investigate. right? When they're not looking into Haredi schools to see if the kids can speak any English. Or helping with proposals. Can, right. Could count two plus two, right? Or they're helping with proposals. Or they're trying to get Ari Nagel to register his big box store masturbatory <laughs> habits. Like This is this is not your normal constabulary work is all I'm saying. Um, before we leave news of the Jews, any thoughts on, on the – Democratic National Convention. I, you know, it was better than the Republican Convention. It, well, it was better choreographed.
1: It was a real convention. Uh, it yeah. was a convention. <laughs>
0: about to it say was... it was a convention. That followed
1: convention.
0: Convention. Convention. No wisdom. And Will we was... ever see Bernie? What's Bernie's role in our lives a year from now? Same as it was a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to a sad trivia question.
1: I feel like he'll be making that face he was making during Hillary's speech yeah. like forever.
0: That indigestion chic like when I tell my kids or grandkids that I cast my primary vote for Bernie Sanders, I suspect they will say, "Who?"
1: They're gonna be like, "Who dat?"
0: I have to say, I you know I did support his candidacy in the primaries, and I for a moment I was under the sway of those people who thought he would be a better, he would he would fare better against Trump, that his sort of pugnaciousness would fare better against Trump's pugnaciousness. Um, I am now sick of my friends who are still pushing Bernie.
1: I don't understand how people are still pushing Bernie. It's like the ship has sailed. There's really – got to stop.
0: For sure. According to the Louisville Courier-Journal, in a suit filed this week in federal court, Kentucky death row inmate William Harry Meese, obeying the law that all murderers must have three names, uh, said he was kicked out of the state kosher food program for eating a rotisserie chicken from Sam's Club that wasn't (laughs) marked kosher. (laughs) You see, in Kentucky, if you sign up for the kosher food program, you have to eat only the kosher food. You can't then throw some of it out and decide to eat the regular meals one day because the kosher food is so expensive. But Mies says in his lawsuit that he only keeps reform kosher, avoiding pork and shellfish and not mixing meat and milk. So he wants the kosher food as an option for those days when the normal food is cheeseburgers. But when the normal food is like a Sam's Club chicken, which is not pork or whatever, he can eat it because he's reformed kosher. He doesn't need the heksher. He doesn't need the little kosher sign on it. It's
1: literally the most but, Jewish thing anyone's ever so said. I got
0: to right. tell you, this, this story really
2: touched me. It inspired me to come up with my own television show. Are you ready for this? This is called Halachic Law and Order. It became- <laughs> It begins like this. Dindin din. in the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equal authorities. The rabbinate, who comes up with rules, and the other rabbinate, who comes up with a totally <laughs> different set of rules. These are their stories. would it be great if there was just one show devoted to just like Jewish laws and their implementation in prison?
1: I like that he was just like trying to do kosher style. He's he like
3: trying
0: to do kosher style, like, like Katz's thing. Deli. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ryan's Deli off 84, like Katz's off The Merit. Just kosher style, baby. So basically, this is about the rights of Reformed Jews to be a little less strict than the Orthodox Jews, which means this is a good time to read one of our letters of the week. We don't normally do the mail. We don't We don't dip into the mailbox this early in the show, as you know. But we have to go to this letter from one David Lev, who was angry about our interview last week with Dina Gottlieb, the Reform rabbinic student. David writes... I was very annoyed to hear Mark Oppenheimer and Leah Libowitz dismiss Reform Judaism and Reform Jews as ignorant, a statement of such ironically ignorant Nerishkeit that I was baffled, not to mention offended. Reform Judaism, as well as conservative, Reconstructionist, and other progressive denominations are engines for the reinterpretation of Jewish culture and practice. And no, not just through Havdalah Yoga, Mark Oppenheimer, you condescending schmuck. I have met so many Jews who are very passionate about finding ways to incorporate their Jewish practice and belief into their daily lives, and you have simply shrugged them off to satisfy your smug self-importance. And as for that bacon-eating shitwaffle, Leo Liebowitz, <laughs> I kid you Amazing. not. Amazing.
2: You get schmuck,
0: <laughs> and I get a shitwaffle. Love a it. You get shitwaffle. He worked harder on yours. Mm-hmm. Literally every single Reform, reconstructionist, or progressive but non-denominational synagogue I have ever attended. Has had some form of Bible study or Bible discussion group or even Talmudic discussion groups. You have no idea what you're talking about, Stephanie. You seem lovely. Yeah. And thank you for, sta- thank you for standing up to the slanderous stereotypes your co-host perpetuate. Mazel tov on your engagement. Sincerely, <laughs> David Lev. Now, when I was cutting and pasting this letter from the mailbox to my script um, last night, Rebecca, my nine-year-old, was reading this over my shoulder. Daddy, Daddy what's a shittwaddle? <laughs> I kid you not. That is how she's, <laughs> she probably is. A, a well, Rebecca, I remember my friend Liel. It's like, oh, I <laughs> yeah, understand.
3: It's okay. Oh, yeah. He's a shit waffle.
0: Yeah, sure. This is like the fifth profanity she's learned. The first four are pretty basic, and now she knows shitwaffle. That's good. That'll um, help her in school. She was offended by the profanity, and she turned to me. She, she said, Dad. I said, yeah. She said, I don't like that guy. So there you go, David Lev. My nine-year-old daughter does not like you. She thinks that you use inappropriate language. But I don't know. But, I mean, but, but my 39-year-old
2: self really does like you. Thanks. Oh. Thanks, thanks brah. Uh, your your this letter. Is a, this just... is a cool letter. Uh, totally misunderstands got... everything that we you know, directly and explicitly
0: <laughs> and clearly said in the show. But hey, we have shit waffle. We admire your passion. And we never got to the letter from our listener Otto Martin Zimmon who called Liel a douche canoe. But douche canoe and shit waffle are two amazing words. And I you know, really and bring we, out the best in people. To be people. honest,
1: douche canoe is like a little waspy for me.
0: It's, it's a canoe. True, what do you, it's like, what <laughs> you would even get on the vessel at any point?
1: I feel like it's like it's a douche canoe wears like boat shoes.
0: Exactly right. You laugh, but Otto, in fact, is a Gentile. So the Gentile sent us douche canoe. And the guy named David Lev sent us shit waffle. We're going to save some more letters for the end. But, but... I don't know. I mean, do you want to respond to, to David Lev? How about you go ahead? You, you, you're part of this. You're a schmuck, too. <laughs> I mean, I think that—look, um, he makes a fair point that Reform Jews are a lot of Reform Jews are very, very interested in learning. The, the point that I was hoping somebody would make is plenty of so-called uh, self-identified Orthodox or religious Jews don't know jack and aren't very pious and, you know, it's just a cultural—it's uh, just cultural garb that they wear. So I take that point. At the same time— um, you know I think what Liel and I were trying to say is that a lot of jews in in the more liberal traditions will enter in through anything except actual historic Judaism, and so like they'll do it if it's yoga or they'll do it if it's vegan cooking or they'll do it if it's karaoke they'll right. need a they hand
2: of some other yeah. external cool affirming thing because right. it's not like Judaism, but if Judaism that gets it's a you cool through the Judaism. door,
1: and then you go to Talmud study at your reconstructionist synagogue like i don't I, I think i think i i agree with sort of the the blanket dismissal right, but here's the
2: thing there's a reason why these movements god bless them may they live to be how old are they now like hundred and eighty six so yeah. may they live to be 120 uh you know there's a reason why attendance is severely dwindling right there's a reason why people choose to disaffiliate with these particular groups right? it is because at some point, I really think it comes down to do you want to do this or not? If you want to do this, I'm cool with whatever way you want to do this. I, I can't be clear on that point. Whatever way you want to seriously engage with Judaism, fucking do it. However, if it's not seriously engaging with Judaism, if it's just some sort of life culture pose, which I completely agree, plenty of Orthodox people do as well,
0: then you know what? Try harder. Liebowitz out. Mike dropped.
1: Shit waffle out.
0: Shitwaffle out. <laughs> We have upcoming live shows. Uh, September 19th, we'll be at the Jewish Community Center of New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, October 27th, we'll be at Hebrew College in Boston. November 17th, we are elated to if, be If they're still in the America border. at that point. <laughs> and, well, and if there's not, fortunately, our no- November 17th show is at Beth Zedek in Toronto. So we, we, may, we may never leave that fact. show. We can, make, we can make Aliyah. We can literally go up to Canada. We could ask February for asylum 10th. live on the uh, on the air. <laughs> yeah. That, that don't, don't What famous like Czech writers? Weren't there some athletes or writers? Who, like, a, it's a Baryshnikov thing. Will defect.
1: I was like, we like the bagels here. We're fun. <gasps>
0: How yep. dare you!
1: Well they it's have Toronto,
0: bagels, not no, okay. no, they
2: do not have bagels.
0: February tenth, we'll be at Temple Israel in West Palm Beach, the WPB, Florida. If you want to book us for a live show, contact Alyssa Goldstein at egoldstein at tabletmag.com and she will tell you what it takes to bring us there. Uh, a little self-promotion. I myself will be at the Lansing League Conference at the Canuga Conference Center in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. This is an episcopal conference, but it's it's multi-faith. And in fact, uh, this is October sixteenth through eighteenth, and I'll be talking about politics, religion, Religion, the Golden Rule, and the Election, with two former unorthodox guests, uh, Catholic Liz Brunig and Muslim Arslan Iftikhar. If you're interested in coming to beautiful Asheville and spending three days schmoozing with the three of us, go to kanuga.org. That's K A N U G A.org and look for the Lansing Lee. Conference. Uh, This is the last time I'm going to tell you, my friends, that we are in a fund drive. This is the final week. Um, The the gates are closing and you have to slide under the gate like in a sci-fi movie where the gates are all coming down. And if you don't slide under it, you'll be locked out forever. Thank you to all of you who have given us money uh, and all of you who have given us just love and and praise and hosannas and mazel tovs. Um, I just want to say again that we are as grateful for our $5 contributions as for the really, really big ones. But we are – I mean, not really, that... but we have to say that. we're <laughs> no, way really... more grateful
2: for the $1,000, $5,000, $15,000 checks. But here's the so thing. keep those coming. Nobody
0: has given specifically at the $10,000 amount.
2: Not yet. That's why they have get... to be shamed, Mark, into giving. Which will get – These get are Jews we're talking about. It's all about or Stephanie
0: or all three of us to do your wedding and I just think somebody's somebody's gotta want that who wouldn't want us to officiate (laughs) who who (laughs) would not not want want that that? I can think of just kidding so um, so go to tabletmag.com so mom we decided
2: to go with schmuck and shit waffle here (laughs) they would be very (laughs) good douche (laughs)
0: canoe was not available (laughs) so go to (laughs) tabletmag.com slash donate Uh, give us money get stuff help keep unorthodox going get married Get married and have a great official. Have have more
2: Jews. Make plenty new Jews. We need it. That's right.
3: Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from *Prayer for the French Republic*, the Tony Award-nominated best play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamou, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by The New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. This event is part of 14Y's Spring Season of Jewish Culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y.
0: Our guest Jew today is Rosie Gray. At the age in which most reporters still teeter about in search of their bearings, Rosie has not only become BuzzFeed's prominent, excellent political correspondent, but she's done so while crafting a style inimitably her own. Uh, Liel calls it somewhere between Theodore White and Hunter S. Thompson. I think that's about right. I I, I mean that in the best way. I would say that's right. Yeah. Um, She spent the last six months trailing the Republican candidates and their supporters, producing dispatches on everything from white supremacist rallies to insider Republican meetings. She was manhandled while covering Occupy Wall Street. She once hung out with Jim Bob Duggar. He's the guy with like 87 kids, um, 86 of whom haven't been child molesters. Um, And she generally seems to have a lot of fun on a very, very grim beat. So we're excited to have her. Rosie, welcome. Welcome.
4: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: So here's the
2: first question, Rosie. What the fuck's going on in America right now? Um, yeah, could you explain that for us?
4: I wish I could tell you, but it's, I mean, I am as confused. Uh, you know, people are always asking me, because I cover this stuff, like, oh, what's going on? You know, asking me to explain Donald Trump and things like that. And honestly, those of us who cover this have no, we have no better conception of it than anybody else. It's just too confusing. Really? No, I mean it's just every day is just like a cascade of new bizarre events. So it's I think it's just pretty much the whole country is as confused as you know as we but can you, be right now. Okay, you've been I at the core so- of
2: this of this cascade, right? You you had front row seats for this dumpster fire mm-hmm. from from the very beginning. What what happens to you when you pretty much exclusively for what seven months now? live this... Yeah, like, how are you doing? How are you doing? Like, mentally? Are you okay? How are you?
4: I'm okay. I was a little bit... Um, I was in Cleveland for two weeks, actually, because I covered not only the convention, but the, like, the committee meetings before the convention.
0: <laughs> the and fun so, stuff. Otherwise known as the really fun right. stuff.
4: Yeah, and that was actually... It was really fun, but by the end of it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, what just happened?
0: So is the press corps... I mean, I've read The Boys on the Bus, right? Timothy Krauss' book about the press corps back in, I think that was 68... Is it you know? Is it a party? Are you guys are you guys doing some serious drugs after hours? Is it a scene?
4: I have not seen drugs on the trail personally, and that probably means that there aren't any. But <laughs> because I think, if there were, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean people drink, but it's not. I mean, I would say there's during things like the convention and stuff, um, there's there's a bit of drinking, but you know, it's actually not as That is not as much of a thing as it was back in the day, just because the demands on reporters now are just so constant that, like,
5: you can't really get
4: wasted on a random day on the trail and then function the next day.
2: Right, because you also have to go home and, like, blog about it, tweet about it, you know, create content And, like, wait for Donald Trump
1: to tweet the next
2: thing. Right.
4: Right. It's not like the old days where, you know, these guys would, like, file their, you know, file their story over the phone or whatever, and then, you know... (laughs) just not really have to, you know, the responsibilities that reporters have used to be much different. So, but I mean, you know, people do drink and have fun and make friends and stuff like that, but it's not as if we're boring.
0: And then do you not see them again? Is it like, is it, is it like summer camp or is this really intense thing with the other reporters? And, uh, I mean, you might not know yet cause you're still with them, but I mean, I do you then like exchange, you know, you know, phone numbers and emails, and, and you have reunions a year from now? Or see? Or do you look forward to the next campaign because you'll see your buddy from like the, you know, the North Dakota Bugle again?
4: I don't know anyone from the North Dakota Bugle, but I am close friends with um, with my, my group of friends that I covered. I primarily covered Ted Cruz during the primaries. And um, I have a pretty close group of friends who also did that at different outlets. And we, um, we actually have a group text that's called Campaign Squad, and we text each other about the elections like all the time,
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> so. So you've been doing this for a, a while, this, this campaign thing. What's the craziest thing you've seen like most recently?
4: Well, that's got to go to um, this party I went to in Cleveland during the convention that was hosted by... Uh, oh, the
0: Milo one? The Milo yeah, Pam yeah. Gell- Oh my God. Well, so explain, explain for those of us who don't know.
4: So uh, this was a party that was the theme was like gays for trump and it was it was actually hosted by the guy who used to run go proud which was like the gay republican group that that actually sort of gave trump his start uh, in a way in politics well kind of i mean they they brought him to cpac in 2011 and so um wait we have
0: the gays to blame for trump the gays gave us trump
4: (laughs) well the gays may have given us sort of like the current iteration of trump i mean obviously like in the past he made other sort of noises about running for president and stuff. But in 2011, they brought him a CPAC, which sort of launched, you know, the kind of modern place in, in the current conservative movement, I guess. But so anyway, this party was hosted by Chris Barron, and it featured Milo Yiannopoulos, the infamous Breitbart tech blogger slash troll. And it also had Geert Wilders, who is the Dutch far-right anti-Islam politician. Right. Um, it also had this guy uh, who makes these sort of artsy photographs of young men uh, in various states of undress wearing Make America Great Again hats. And called the series is called Twinks for Trump. <laughs> that guy was there. <laughs> uh, oh, Pam, oh, and of course, Pamela Geller was there. So, uh, of course. The whole crowd, really. So that was probably the most bizarre thing that I've seen recently.
0: Okay, I just want to tell you, I just went to the Twinks for Trump uh, Twitter feed. Um, and their little like bio underneath the avatar of this super hot, you know, 16 year old looking twink. It says it says Trump is daddy.
4: Wow. Like Milo, for example, is very fond of calling Trump daddy. So it's kind of a that's sort of a thing.
2: This is such a sick underworld. When you thought it couldn't get more disturbing. <laughs> it kind of fucking does. <laughs> oh, my God. So
1: have you, do? You, are you a politics junkie? Did you sort of just get placed on here? Like, what did you always want to cover politics?
4: You no, know, I was never really a politics junkie. I mean, the way that I kind of fell into this is that um, I worked for the Village Voice back in 2011, around the same time that, that Ben Smith was starting BuzzFeed News. And so he was sort of casting around for young reporters to cover the 2012 election. And I ended up getting recommended and taking the job. And so, honestly, I had never really... I always wanted to be a reporter, but I never, I I didn't necessarily want to be a politics reporter, but it is sort of what I fell into. And now I really love it and love covering it. But it wasn't necessarily like I dreamed of it as a child.
0: I have a question, and this comes from, I think, being about to turn 42, and the fact that you just said Ben Smith was casting around for young reporters. And I don't mean to play gotcha here. This literally, this question just occurred to me. But of course, it's illegal to cast around for young reporters, right? But everyone knows that in the business, people do it. Like, you're actually not supposed to care about the age of your job applicants. Do you feel like in the media ecosystem, BuzzFeed and other places like it, like, could a 57-year-old with really, really great clips get a job?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then also, if, if you look at BuzzFeed itself, we have reporters who are all different ages. I would say there is a stereotype that BuzzFeed values younger reporters more than others and that's actually not true in terms of the business at large I mean I think part of where that comes from is that with with legacy media outlets they're often the first people to get laid off or take a buyout tend to be the older reporters who have been there for a long time because they cost more you know you, you do have to be very proficient with Twitter and to kind of like keep up with the current state of the media but I don't think that there's some sort of, like, large-scale discrimination against older reporters. And in fact, I think, like, I mean, I personally really value their experience and their ability to guide me, so.
1: So you're a Jewish reporter covering politics in the era of Trump. Have you been a victim of sort of, like, the anti-Semitic deluge on Twitter that comes out?
0: Have you been Julia Yafied?
4: Probably not as bad as what happened to Julia, but yeah, it it certainly happens to me quite a bit. You know, I haven't gotten, like, death threats, but I probably get some sort of anti-Semitic you know, stuff in my mentions like every day.
1: How do you feel? I mean, I just, that would just freak me out so much and just make me so like despondent about what's, what the state of the world right now.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's not great. Um, after a while, you just sort of don't notice it. You know, there, there are certain stories that I've done where I knew it was really going to incite them. And so I was able to kind of prepare myself. Um, all that sort of stuff. Now kind of operates at a low hum in sort of the back of my mind. It's not something that like actively bothers me, but it adds to this miasma of unpleasantness in this election. I guess by the way, the the miasma
2: of unpleasantness. If you ever do write a book or collect all of your reporting into like a book <laughs> about this election, it should be called the miasma of unpleasantness. But even even before this election, I mean, you are no stranger. To 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 fight uh, on on Twitter and and other social media platform, which I have to say I've I've always enjoyed (laughs) dearly because I think you have you know a a knack uh, for that. Do you is that a part of the job that you like? I mean, because it does seem to me to be like almost a requirement, right, of of being a reporter nowadays is to to understand that you're going to engage at least part of your time in fighting assholes on Twitter. No.
4: I mean, I hate fighting people on Twitter. I only respond when I really, like it really really... Because you seem it. to
2: be really into... I mean, I mean this as a complete compliment. I you're always really, really, really admire it when you kind of like, you know, take people to task.
4: I don't like to get into extended back and forth with people where it's never going to go anywhere. And we're both just trying to, like, have the last word. Apart from the harassment, that's the least fun part of Twitter to me. I mean, I like when Twitter this is like such like a pollyanna pie pie-in-the-sky thing, but I like when Twitter is an actual exchange of ideas and like information. And I think that people waste a lot of time just getting into like these, especially this election cycle. I, I like a lot of my timeline is people just sort of throwing these like bitter personal recriminations against each other. And that, that to me is not not like the best use of the platform. But in terms oh my of, God. Like, I, I, you know, I
2: love it.
0: <laughs> I don't <laughs> think there's any other use of the platform.
4: It
0: does add some drama, so. So final question for you, because we know you have to get back to um, to <laughs> twinks for Trump. Um, uh, who are you voting for?
4: Um,
0: and, and then also, how much money do you make? And, yeah, that, well, that's, yeah. The, that's the bonus question. <laughs> if you could send us your tax returns, anything, really. Social security. Quiet. I want to know who she's voting for. Um, I'm. Well, I
4: guess I'm not going to talk about
0: that. Okay. So there's some chance you're voting for Trump.
4: I guess i'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rule out any voting behavior that could occur in November.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a, was, you have a future as a press secretary when you, when, if you ever really want to sell out. That's a good. That was a wonderful obfuscation. Um, we love your stuff, Rosie Gray. The work is at Buzzfeed.com. Thanks so much for being our Jew of the week.
4: Thank you.
3: J.Crew, it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Brous and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it.
0: Our Gentile of the Week is Adam Lin. Adam is an actor, director, screenwriter, and an amazing storyteller. I saw him at The Moth uh, last month when he was telling stories the same night that our own Liel Leibowitz was telling stories. And Liel was pretty good, but Adam totally killed. And afterwards, we basically said, get that guy! Yeah. Like we want him <laughs> for the show. Uh, And uh, he grew up fatherless in Boston, which he talked about at The Moth. And he lost his eyesight at a young age. And then um, got a girl knocked up and became a dad and a husband. And he's the author of the novel American Sexy. And he's a film director, which raises the question, Adam Lin, how are you a blind film director? That's a good question, Mark.
5: Well, film is very collaborative. It takes a lot of people. It takes sound guys. It takes a DP. Mainly, I'm a writer. And so I'd written a script. And I was walking around New York with a handful of pages and I was at NYU uh, film school to study screenwriting. And I met a woman there who, and this is a side story, Mark, we're not going to get into, but a Russian prostitute, and she and I decided <laughs> to make a film together. And she said, you, you, you're walking around with pages. No, This isn't going to do you any good. We need to make a movie. I said, movie's expensive. She's like, believe me, I got money. And so um, as
0: Russian prostitutes do.
5: Yes. And so when you're directing a film mark, you do a storyboard and instead of drawing the pictures, we use dolls. Got a couple of Barbies. And we're not talking a Spielberg here. We're talking a small film with a couple of actors. And my first film was called Smell the Light, which was actually a religious exploration that kind of came out of my studies of Zen. So, rather than seeing the light, being blind, I thought, hmm, "Can we can we reach insight, revelation through through smell maybe then rather than the light?" That's how we made that film and went to some festivals not not Sundance but some festivals got some awards so a question a question about senses
2: this is something that's always fascinating you know my, one of my favorite writers is James Joyce who was you know for all intents and purposes completely blind and I always believe that one reason why the language uh, got you know so much richer especially as he was you know losing more and more of his eyesight was because he just heard the world in a different way and listening to you I, I kind of get the same sense you know you're you're command of language seems almost, you know, it has a flexibility to it that it's almost otherworldly to me. Do you feel that? Is that... Did you take refuge in that? Is that...
5: That... I mean, you guys have great command of language too. All All of us in this room are probably big talkers, right? So I don't know that I can specifically ascribe liking to talk to being blind. But certainly, I have fewer choices, so th- that would be a place I'd focus. I, in in thinking about the show and listening and listening to your some of your old podcasts, and think about coming in what I wanted to talk about. I, I wanted to talk about narrative a little bit, like religious narratives and. When you, when you asked me to be Gentile of the week, I jokingly Leo said, how come I can't be Jew of the week? Which only a Jew would say, by <laughs> right. the way, so of course.
0: And the fact that you're into Zen Buddhism makes you seven times right. more yeah. Jew. And because, as, especially as I get older, I'm 44. I think we're all peers, roughly, right? At least, well,
5: except for Stephanie. <laughs> okay, I, I, I don't know how old you are, Stephanie. I'm seven. Okay, She's but seven. I know you guys. We, Which you know, makes your engagement really weird. The, you know, the three of us graduated from Ivy League colleges at some time in the 90s, right? And And I, I would say, if anyone walked in this room, they'd say, these guys are like cookie cutters of each other. They're all pretty similar. Married, have a couple of kids. It almost takes a lot of work to divide us by religion. so that that's why I you're think saying we're all kind of Jews by default. <laughs> well, just yeah, yeah. If or you're certain, that guy. You're... All, hopefully all Menches by default, right? Something like that,
2: speaking that's... of Menches, so so here's here's i'm I'm not going to do any justice to your amazing story, which will come out soon in the moth and and we will promote like crazy. but it was basically about learning to be a dad and and one of the things or 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 coming to terms with you know being a father suddenly and and one of the things that really got me because i had the exact same emotion was that the like you couldn't control any of the emotions you didn't really know what to do but the one
5: thing you could control was the way you dressed <laughs> well i think that and, and and I think we could maybe open this out to like the, the bigger conversation that I know you guys have had a lot about when you become a parent, how you suddenly then have to grapple with your religion a little more. Totally. So before grappling with religion, though, I think that on the day of the birth, it, it's more about like... You grapple with a pants. Y- yeah. First, yeah. I, I was terrified that the doctors were going to think I looked like some homeless hipster bum and throw me out and not be a dad. And... <laughs> So what'd you wear? So I went to Lord & Taylor, got some like brown corduroys and some brown Oxford shoes, which were supposed to be really sensible and really uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, you're better off with sneakers and sweatpants in the hospital, because you're moving. You know, you're chasing gurneys, you're getting water. So yeah, you, you really want to go for practical.
2: But how would you look like Dad if you weren't wearing Oxfords and corduroys? <laughs> you know, one of the first things that I said to my wife when we found out, we were like, do I have to wear a tie now? <laughs> because that's like, Dad, right?
1: Are you wearing any dad jeans? Like, have you embraced that at all?
5: Um, more so than dad jeans. Um, now, with the two kids, I, I look like a German sex tourist in, in Bangkok because <laughs> I, I, I wear these cargo
0: shorts constantly. Is there a fanny pack?
5: Uh, no. I see the
0: German tourist uh, as bringing all of his like sexual perversity implements in a fanny pack. You know, that's a, you see, I, I have avoided the fanny
5: pack. The, my one nod toward uh, ancient masculinity is I carry things in a plastic deli bag. One, one that's in my lap with three copies of my novel and some candy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I get the German sex <laughs> Um But the reason for the cargo shorts is, you know, I've constantly got diapers or little bags with half-eaten cheese sticks and things like that. So the, the multiple pockets help alleviate the need for the fanny pack.
2: The things they carried. Uh, so, so religion, did you, did you have moments of revelation when, when the child arrived?
5: You... Uh, when she arrived? No. I, I would say no. I mean, the problem, and I didn't get to get into this in the mod story. We had this incredibly sexy doula, right? And so I, I highly oh, recommend. I recommend it. Uh, doula is
0: fantastic, which you know in Greek means slave. Oh, I know. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I've been on so, those websites. So,
5: so it's really hard because you think, okay, I mean, the woman is, is is having a baby. I mean, she's very very focused on that. You're a guy. You're not having the baby. Actually, having the baby. And so, you know, there's this gorgeous <laughs> doula there. You're thinking the same things you would think if you were next to her in a, in a restaurant. And it's, it's very strange because, I don't know, Mark, I, I read a little bit, you, you, you talked in the Atlantic piece about not writing anything that's going to embarrass your daughters. How can you do that? Everything <laughs>
0: embarrasses me, myself, my
5: family, that's my totally daughters. True. I have but, certainly failed. I mean, I, I but, think that was I the but, goal, but. But you can't, I don't think that should be the goal because then you're not being honest. And,
0: and, and then what do you sing? you like kind well, of an I airbrush mean, but, version of yourself? But how far do you take that? It's hard. Gentile man. I it, mean, honest, like wh- there's questions. Aren't there things you're not, aren't there things you're going to shield your kids from? No. Hey, uh, what was that noise coming from the room last night? Don't, and, you know, don't, why, don't worry about it. Why was, why was mommy screaming Katy Perry lyrics at the top she of her lungs and, <laughs> while the dog was howling? Like you're going to tell them what that was? I wish I knew what that was. <laughs> 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 was I mean, I, I, was mean I don't know what that by was. by <laughs> We went to bed early
5: last night and fell asleep watching TV. <laughs> I'm going to let you know. Um, to bring it back around, Leo, to your conversation, Gentile of the Week seemed funny to me because I grew up, my family was... My grandparents were nominally... Not nominally, my grandparents were Catholic, but my, my parents were divorced. My father was a Protestant. I, I never felt that connected. I, I, I went to church. I, I Certainly the imagery is ingrained in me. That's a weird thing, almost like a software, I think, that runs whether you want it there or not. And this this is a long way to get around to a, a Leo Punchline joke. So when I was losing my sight, I went to a small Catholic school. They they didn't have the resources to teach me. So I had to leave the school, which was okay. It was you know, they weren't quote unquote unchristian. I, I it was a question of resources. But then they wouldn't let me stay in the choir. Which my, my mother was telling me about last night. Like, Remember Ooh, to bring this that, up. You know the but, Gentiles. Yeah, so I tell you, you can't really trust uh, them. That's so mean. Yeah, guys, they, they wouldn't let me be in the choir, and it was, it wasn't like the choir was that important to me. And I and I don't, I'm not one of these. I can certainly walk into a Catholic church. I don't get dizzy, and you know, suddenly the horror comes back to me. I never felt that connected in the first place. But then after I went blind, I sent my mom. Just started kind of looking for youth groups, things like, hey, you've got a, a young teenager on your hands. You want to find something. And so I found my way into a congregational church through the gateway of, wait for it, Leal, Dungeons and Dragons. You're kidding me. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> it just got so good in here. <laughs> and, so, um. and and they and, and at the congregational church there was a Baptist youth minister who was such a holy man, like such a fantastic man. I almost he died of, of brain cancer a couple of years ago out in the northwest. Such a just a what a mensch. Like, like, what a great guy. And so I, I'm, I'm not drawn to being a Baptist at all, but I certainly knew one when I was a kid who was just a fantastic man in my life and a great example. What
2: a great idea this so, is. You know, like, you, you play this fantasy game, like, you're all stuck in a dungeon. There's a terrible dragon coming, but guess who's here to save you? <laughs> <laughs> it's your pal Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> You'll get Roll 20 that XP points <laughs> from Christ. It's the
1: highest level. I have a quick question. Please. What is the most annoying thing you can say to a blind person? Like, what should we never be saying? Um, like, help us be better people.
2: All of us. <laughs> I mean, he's not a miracle worker. He's a writer. He's, I mean, <laughs> um, but okay.
5: Um, wow. Uh, the most annoying thing, there's not one specific thing, Stephanie, but I think anything that shows your hand that makes you think that you're different from me or, or would be for anyone can be annoying
1: so like that question is annoying.
5: <laughs> 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 it came from a good place. No, uh, no, it's an excellent question. It's one of these things worth talking about. And it well, first of all, it's really good to say blind and not you know visually impaired and kind of start dancing around the issue that this is this you know there's a lot of great internecine politics amongst the blind that you know Leo you'd love you know there's the conser- really? oh hugely I'm part of like the conservative hardcore libertarian blind and, and then and, and, and then there's the blind kind of, Americans then there's, then there's kind of the more like oh, Let's play bingo and you know have Cub Scouts lead us around blind. So yeah, so it, it, so, <laughs> oh, so just God. so that you know that yeah that I that we're not monolithic. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, 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 you shouldn't be at all. Believe me, this t- if I'm standing on the street and it's really busy and someone comes over and goes, "Can I help you?" Yes, please. It, it, it's so much about tone. I mean, it's funny. You know, young women come up and say, "Hey, can I give you a little help?" Always, always. <laughs> but in, in, you know, in New York, they'll, they'll be like so often. You know, getting rid across and someone's like. Oh! Ah! Bye man in the
1: street.
0: You know, that that's never good. And you're like, <laughs> I actually can hear you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you, you, the
5: truck that's bearing down on me.
0: All right, so we've orientalized you. Would you now is your turn to orientalize us. Do you have any? Before we go, I mean it sounds like you're you're Jew friendly and you've you, you, <laughs> you you're 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 you're, curious you're sitting here, I have, you're I have to tell I listen. He's sitting du- here with gifts. I brought chocolates, uh, which are actually
5: from Brazil. Uh, my mother-in-law, who may or may not be partially Jewish, because she's from Brazil, so all the stories yep. are a little they all flexible. could be. So I have some chocolates, and then I also have three copies of my novel, American Yay. Sexy. Yay! Thank so you are going to promoting yourself which every
0: every uh, American man, woman and child should buy and do today. Love. <laughs> yes, and they've... you can get it off your website at adamlin.com. It's Lynn with an i by the way. But, so we're going to read your novels and eat your chocolate. Do you have but, but we'd like to send you off with a parting gift. Before we go, do you have any questions for us about Judaism or anything you want to share, any any stereotypes you want to bounce off us to see if they're true? What what can we do for you as a panel of Jews? This is a hugely difficult question for me
5: because yeah, I guess I've known I've been to a bris, so I've I've, I've been down in there a little bit, and and not being able to see was really good because I could eat smoked salmon the whole time. I didn't get squeamish, really. I just didn't let people describe the details. I mean, I guess the big question that kind of kept haunting me that I kept asking is, like, why? And this is, like, why for me, too. Like, why any religion?
0: Yeah, we ask the same question all the time. We never got around to answering it. So my answer to that is simple. It's because we have no choice. It's only been 5,000 years. Because we were born into it. So that's the big difference. Christians, they opt in. They have to get baptized. It's a little water thing. And we don't opt in. It's like we're just— If your mother's vagina was Jewish, then you have no choice in the matter. It it baptizes you on the way out. (laughs) I'm good with that. You agree with that? Um, Hey, Adam Lin, you've been a fabulous Gentile of the Week. Will you come back sometime and hang with us again?
5: I live right next door. I'm hoping I could be like Steve Martin on on Saturday Night Live, like whenever your other (laughs) Gentiles of the Week, or or, or, let's face it, folks, if
0: a Jew of the Week bails, maybe I could jump in. You're a storyteller. You could totally just come over to be be a Jew that week. Um, This has been amazing, and um, thanks again for the chocolate. Adam Lin is our Gentile of the Week. His work is at Adam Lin with an I com and two ends and two ends Adamlinn.com
5: The most amazing feeling I feel Words can describe a feeling oh, for real baby I paint the sky blue My greatest creation was you you
0: you, you. you. glory. Friends, before we conclude this week, I have to dip back into the mailbox. We had just, uh, just a wealth of letters, and not all of them were calling Liel a shit waffle. Uh, we got this one. Hello, unorthodox. Um after hearing your feature on the Holocaust wedding venue in Lithuania, if you're interested in things like this, you might want to know I'm a city councilor in Vilnius. I'm British, the first elected foreigner in Lithuania, and we have a street named after the leader of an anti-Semitic organization implicated in the Holocaust in Lithuania. He also has a street named after Kaunas, where they refused to rename the street. Mark Adam Harold, Vilnius city councilor. So good, good tourism PR, Mark. Thanks. So now we know it's Every bit as anti-Semitic over there as we as we Love talk. that guy. Come on the show, Mark. We'd yeah, love man. to have we, you. Actually, Mark, yes. Send us your, your your number and we will call you and we'll talk anti-Semitism Lithuania. Um, dear Unorthodox, on your last show, Liel, wow, you're really bringing him out this oh. week, Liel. On your last show, Liel called for a new political alignment between American Jews, Muslims, Black people, Latinos, Asians, and immigrants. Yes, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll be excited to hear that such a coalition already exists. It's called the Democratic Party. Right, (laughs) Uh... where they
2: where they burned Israeli flags and called Jews termites. We love the Democratic Party. Supporters of the Iran deal, setters of red lines for Syria, liberators of Libya. We are very
0: excited. We're caught between Barack. And a hard place, people. Cheers from Canada, Josh Zelikowicz. Josh, you got under his skin. He's he's fuming now.
1: That's an amazing
0: name. Zelikowitz, you're hired. <laughs> Stephanie Butnick Zalikowitz. Yeah. I love it. Last letter from the mailbox. Best mailbox week ever. <clears throat> Stephanie, are you listening? I am. Cheers and ma in Yanim to my favorite and sole Jewish podcasters. I have a suggestion for an unorthodox donation premium. An invitation plus one to the future, Mrs. Butnick Cohen. Oh wedding. my God! Who is this genius? Name it. Name it, and the check is in the mail. Appreciating you from Detroit, David Eisenstein. David wow. Eisenstein, you're hired in all sorts of ways. Okay, <laughs> name your price, Butnick.
1: Well, I have to see how much you know. Right? How much? <laughs> how Detroit much do like, <laughs> Are you vegetarian? <laughs> do you need to eat?
2: Here's the deal. I'm covering I'm covering all the actual costs. Name of the name whole your, wedding? No, no, oh, yes. Here's a check for, <laughs> okay, we just uh, booked for the a band. Long Island wedding. But I'm covering a guest plus one. Okay. Uh, for your yeah. wedding. Name your price
0: for this unorthodox chip. Mark, you had a price. I was gonna suggest 25K. That would allow the show to get so much better next year. We would do some really awesome. We'd do some remote stuff. We would incorporate some some awesome produced pieces. I think you owe it to the show, Stephanie, to let David Eisenstein and his beautiful, lovely wife Judy, or his you gay know male partner Carol. Periled... k you don't only come
2: to the wedding; you get to make a speech. Is that fair?
1: <laughs> yeah, you get. Yeah, You're right between like <laughs> best man and maid of honor. Between yeah, between right your dad my and your sister, you can actually welcome everyone.
0: <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if Eisenstein was like the greatest wedding crasher ever? <laughs> if, if he showed Stephanie up and he just and pretends Ben's wedding so, is going to be like to you. By Are you on the ride side, the
1: groom side, or the unorthodox side? Exactly.
0: <laughs> Well, he would dance with your great aunt Ethel. He would do the worm. You're
1: not helping, but I'm in.
0: Yeah, <laughs> really? You, yeah, sure. 25k, Eisenstein man, come on. We know you have a sweet, sweet podiatry practice. Make this happen. This, this will, this will be legendary. All right, we love mail. Write to us at unorthodox at tabletmag or send us a voice text. Use your iPhone messaging app. Just hit the microphone in the app. Record something. Send it to unorthodox at tabletmag dot com. Mazel tov's of the week, Stephanie.
1: Ooh, my mazal is for my former teammate, Ibtihaj Muhammad, who is going to be the first. She's fencing in the Olympics. She's fencing oh, saber. Yeah. She is so awesome. She's going to be the first person to be competing in, in a hijab. Ever? For the American team, yeah.
0: Rock on.
2: Wow. Rock yeah, on. She's amazing. Fantastic. Although I don't envy her being a Muslim woman with a hijab traveling with swords on TSA. She'd be like, what's this? <laughs> Like, uh, I think they check the swords.
0: Team
1: USA. It's actually really hard to get anywhere with all those swords. I've te- you have to like pu- check yeah, them as like, special items. I, I would not
0: want to travel with like. Yeah, those... I've seen
1: TSA be very confused.
0: Uh, Leo?
2: My mazel tov is to J.D. Vance, author of probably the most amazing book I've read all year, and one that perfectly, although inadvertently, explains to anyone who votes for Donald Trump. Go out there today, buy and read Hillbilly Elegy, which
0: is a truly
2: remarkable book. I ordered that
0: book on Amazon yesterday. It's unreal. My mazel tov is to our own Jesse Bernstein for his tablet article, top Jewish baseball players by position, right? So it takes you beyond Sandy Kovacs and Hank Greenberg. Here's a sample sentence. Top shortstop, top Jewish shortstop, Lou Boudreau. This one is actually a little unfair because outside of Boudreau, there doesn't appear to have been a single other Jew to spend any significant time at shortstop other than Buddy Meyer, who only played shortstop for three seasons, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, He adds that Boudreau was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1970. So, you know, only two Jewish shortstops ever, but one of them really represented. It's just an amazing piece. It's an amazingly clever, funny piece. The idea of like, what would the all-Jewish team by position look like? Check it out, tabletmag.com. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine, on the web at tabletmag.com. It is edited by Shoshi Shmulevitz and produced by Alyssa Goldstein. Rabbinic supervision this week by Jacqueline Mayo and kosher slaughtering by the faculty of New York Military Academy, the high school that Donald Trump said gave him, quote, more training militarily than a lot of guys that go into the military, unquote. Our website is tabletmag.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter. We're at Tablet Mag. We record at Argo Studios in beautiful Manhattan, and our music is by Golem. Shalom, friends. Adam, tell us uh, tell us about your sibling.
5: I don't have a sibling. You, you think I'm a Gentile? I have a ton of siblings, Mark? Is that what this is about?
0: Yeah. I'm from a huge clan? There are a lot uh, of you guys, as <laughs> <laughs> we assume. Gentiles are everywhere, they must have siblings.